everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we will be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into one's moldable clay for the potter Jesus Christ to transform. I hope that you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we'll be delving into my mailbag and answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, today we're going to talk about a church building, which is often referred to as the house of the Lord or God's house. In reality, God's household is not a building, but it is a group of praying people. He lives in us and shows himself to be shows himself to a watching world through us. But people can see that God is love and that Christ is Lord. As we live in harmony with each other and according to God's word, children of God are citizens of God's kingdom and members of his household. The cornerstone of the house is none other than Jesus. And we learn in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 22 Through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And the early apostles and prophets left us with a rich heritage to build upon. And you know, you've probably heard this nursery rhyme that goes like this. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the praying people. Well, this rhyme is symbolic of our lives now with Jesus. But what did it look like before Jesus? Well, our lives before Jesus were dismal. Our lives look like this. We were spiritually dead because of sin. Our lives were under God's anger or wrath. We followed the ways of the world. All of us were born into sin by making us an an, an enmity with God. And because we were born as sinners, we were enslaved to Satan. We followed our own evil thoughts and desires. What I've described so far is a snapshot of what it looks like to live in this world without God and without any hope. But you and me do have hope. We now do belong to Jesus. And once we were far from God, now we've been brought near to him because of the blood of Jesus. So here's a picture of what our lives currently reflect today. We're made spiritually alive with Jesus. We've been shown God's mercy and given salvation. We stand for Jesus and his truth. Because of Jesus, we are God's children. We are free in Christ to love, to serve, and to sit with him within the heavenly realms. We're raised up with Christ to glory. So God revealed his secret plan to the apostle Paul. Now keep in mind, Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples or learners. He was an apostle, meaning messenger. He called himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus because of his preaching to you Gentiles. Recall, Paul wasn't always Paul. 
he was a sinner like you and like me. Most likely our sins are different than his. He was persecuting Christians and killing them as a devout and zealous Pharisee. But after an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he would never be the same. His name changed by just one consonant, formerly Saul to now Paul. So why is it important to recap Saul to Paul's conversion? Well, we need to recognize that God's ways are not our ways. His word tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29, instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those who are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important, so that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You see, as Christians, we do use our rational minds to weigh and sort out the evidence, making wise and sound choices. But no amount of human knowledge can replace or bypass Jesus's finished work on the cross. If it could, Jesus would only be accessible to the intellectually gifted and well-educated and not to ordinary people or children, no less. So why was Paul chosen by God? We've established he was a sinner by his own admission. He was the chief sinner, and yet he was a world changer. He wrote to the Ephesians to strengthen the believers in their Christian faith and to encourage them. He explained the nature and the purpose of the church, who are the body of Christ, And it's important to grab a hold of the understanding that our churches come in all styles and shapes, just like people. Secret meetings in homes, wide open gatherings in amphitheaters, worship services packing thousands into a sanctuary while an overflow crowd watches on a closed circuit television, handfuls of people who praise and kneel in, in storefronts all over the world. As you can see, churches vary and are not always the brick and mortar building that we think of. The church, Jesus's church, that is, consists of the people, his people, every race and nation who love Jesus and are committed to serving him make up the church. Personally, I'm thankful to God for this diversity and unity within the body of Christ. I'm thankful for my brothers and sisters who are in Christ all across the world. We praise God for the wonderful kindness he's poured out on us because we belong to his dearly loved son. He's so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through his son's blood and our sins are forgiven. Now, in other episodes, we've discussed as children of God, what does our identity in Christ look like? So this is what should immediately come to your mind. We have, I've got 24 of these, but think about this. We're justified, meaning we're not guilty of sin. No condemnation awaits us. We're set free from the law of sin and death. We're sanctified, which just means we're made holy in Jesus. We're pure in Jesus. We'll be made alive at the resurrection. We are new people. We're made right with God. We're one in Christ with all other believers. 
We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're holy and without fault. We're adopted as God's children. Our sins are taken away and we are forgiven. We will be brought under Christ's authority. We're marked as belonging to God by the Holy Spirit. We've been raised up to sit with Christ in the heavenly realms. We are God's masterpiece. We've been brought near to God. We share in the promise in Christ. We can come with freedom and confidence into God's presence. We're members of Christ's body, the church. We've been given fullness in Christ. We're set free from our sinful nature. And finally, we will have eternal glory. What I just read are 24 statements about our identity in Christ. We are all of these things because of what he did for us. It has nothing to do with us and our works or us and our serving. When God the Father looks at us, he sees us as his beloved son. His word says we all are those 24 statements and more. (laughs) It's who we are in and through Jesus. So getting back to Paul, he shares with us God's secret plan. The Gentiles, known as the non-Jews, have an equal share with the Jews in all the riches inherited by God's children. Both groups have believed the good news, and both are part of the same body and enjoy together the promise of blessings through Christ Jesus. Now listen in on what Paul reveals to us in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. By God's special favor and mighty power, I have been given the wonderful privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Just think, though I did nothing to deserve it, and though I am the least deserving Christian there is, I was chosen for this special joy of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God wasn't hiding anything by not revealing his plan to previous generations sooner. He was holding on to his plan until the timing was right to reveal it. God's plan was to have both Jews and Gentiles comprise one body, the church. It was known in the Old Testament that the Gentiles were going to receive salvation, but it was never revealed in the Old Testament that all Jewish and Gentile believers would become equal in the body of Christ. The cross at Calvary is the ultimate equalizer, destroying the wall of hostility and creating a new person from an old sinful nature. When Paul began to spread the good news, God gave him the ability to speak effectively. While you and me may not be apostles or even evangelists, God gives us opportunities to tell others about Christ. And with these opportunities, he provides us with the ability, the courage, and the power. Whenever an opportunity presents itself, we need to be available for God to work his power through us. When we focus on other people and their needs, God will assist us in communicating with a caring attitude. Our words will be seasoned with salt. They'll come forth naturally, being loving and compelling. 
Like me, you probably would not have described the Apostle Paul as the least deserving Christian there is. So what was Paul really saying? He meant that without God's help, he would never be able to do God's work. Yet God chose him. He would be the one to deliver the good news to the Gentiles, and God gave him the power to do so. If we go around discouraged and think that we only play a minor role in God's kingdom, then we may find out we're right, except for the fact we have forgotten who is the difference maker, the way maker. And we know that that is God, God alone. He is the great I am. We are to draw upon his power, not on our own. This is why it's critical to remember and recall the 24 identity statements for who we are in Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 puts it this way, For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. Even now you might be questioning, can we really do everything? Doesn't that sound like the enemy? But the answer is yes, the power we receive in union with Christ is sufficient to do his will and to face the challenges that arise from our commitment to doing it. While he doesn't grant us superhuman angelic strength to accomplish anything we might imagine without regard to his interest, as we contend for the faith, we will face troubles, pressures, and trials. And as we do, there's one person that we need to turn to, and that is none other than Jesus, who promises to give us strength. While we see Paul was more than qualified to preach the word of God, The enemy will attempt to call into question the merits upon which Paul had authority to do so. This is the same tactic being deployed today. So let's review the armor of God once again. In Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 17, Paul shares this. A final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul is telling us again that we are wrestling against strategies and tricks. In other words, deceptions. Our enemy is not flesh and blood, and this is a critical distinction. It is flesh and blood that the enemy works through, but if we see our foe is the person behind the attack, we'll never be victors. The enemy only uses weak-minded people who are willing to be his instruments for chaos. Again, 
To win, we must fight in God's strength, utilizing the armor he has given us. Satan wrecks, deceives, kills, and destroys God's plans for his children if given any opening into our lives. The wiles of the devil is another way of saying his crafty, unconventional methods. Evil rulers and authorities are the devil's leadership team, his head officers. This fight isn't only for the Apostle Paul or the 12 disciples or deacons within the church, not even the first century church. We, meaning you, me, and the Lord, are all against Satan and his demons, and we're all engaged in battle. Now, the Word of God tells us to fear not over 100 times because Jesus won the war at the cross of Calvary. This is why Christianity professes the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This was the winning element. Had it not been for one drop of Jesus' blood, this war might just look different. So friends, today, if you want to experience an intimate, personal relationship with God's Son, Jesus, and know you're going to spend eternity in heaven, not elsewhere, I would invite you to pray this prayer of salvation now. Father God, I've missed the mark, but I am turning away from my sins and repenting. Come into my heart. I believe in your son's shed blood for all who acknowledge he took on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were spiritually born again. Your next steps are to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And consider joining a good Bible-based church where your faith in Jesus can continue to grow and be edified by like-minded people. So allow me to be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you're ever going to make in your lifetime. Congratulations. God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, love in action, biblical wisdom, and what the Word of God says about trust, and so many more. I hope that you'll come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this podcast, make sure to hit like and subscribe to ensure you're getting the latest episodes as they become available. And why don't you consider being a blessing to someone else today by sharing this podcast link with them? Much of today's podcast was referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring, you may want to continue or consider reading it in its entirety. And you can easily pick up a copy from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It is full of God's word. So until next time, be blessed and remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. 
And until next time, friends, God bless you.